0: make it. Not only there, but please get me home, Father, right? (laughs) You know, and you can look at other people's blessings of what you want, and you see them blessed, and you begin to compare yourself, well, what's wrong with me? And I'm worthy that God, man, I made that mistake. And all of a sudden, you begin to see yourself so low and so unworthy that God can't pour the blessings in because your faith level has been destroyed through the The discouragement of comparison. Maybe some of you live in a beautiful house that you've worked hard for and provided for, and some of you are in like a one bedroom apartment that you're barely getting your needs met, and you feel like, man, I really want this in my life, and my life feels so empty. But I can tell you that when you have Jesus the center of your life, you can be happy in a one bedroom apartment. You can be happy driving a dilapidated car. Why? Because I don't have a payment on that car. Thank you, Jesus right? There are things that you can find joy in the moment of maybe you don't have what you want yet, but you can have fullness of joy while you're in the middle of it, believing God for the next thing, amen? Nobody can take your joy away except for the devil. Nobody can take your joy away except for comparing yourselves, and all of a sudden, you feel like you don't measure up. I know there's times in my life as a woman, um, back in the day when we didn't have social media, we had what was called magazines, I know they still have some of them, and that's all we had was magazines. And I would buy the beauty magazines, and I'd buy all the fashion magazines, and, and that's fine, and I would get ideas or whatever. But the moment I started looking at those magazines, and I started feeling bad about myself, when I started comparing myself to the women in the magazine or things that people had in the magazine, and it made me feel like I didn't like myself very well, I immediately stopped buying those magazines. Because we have to eliminate the things in our life, even if it's just for a season, that makes you feel like you're comparing your life and you're not measuring up. And all of a sudden, you don't like the world you live in. And then what happens is you only see through the glasses of your comparison than the glasses of what God says he sees for your life amen. We're going to the next season in our life, amen. All of you are going to have great marriages and wonderful children that serve God and, and favor and all those wonderful things, but you have to be happy in the moment and stop comparing your life with other people's lives. Maybe other people go on vacations or have a lot of wealth or whatever. Well, you don't know what it took to get them there, amen? So you're going to commit to the season. God, if I need a better marriage, I'm going to commit to having a better marriage. If I need to commit to being a a happy, successful single person, I'm going to commit to find my identity as a single person, amen, and not compare with what I don't have and what I wish I had. The second area that I think all of us struggle in, especially in today's society, is our appearance. We live in a time where perfectionism is at the utmost highest, right? Everybody's got to look perfect. You know, you might have the Face app on your phone where it corrects all the wrinkles and stuff. If you're young, you don't have to worry about that yet, but we want everything to look perfect. We live in a society that everything has to be perfect, and when we don't feel like our appearance is right you know, our size or our color or our shape or whatever it is, we begin to compare ourselves with other people who have it, and then our self-worth goes down the drain. And when you don't feel good about yourself, you're not activating the gift of God, the faith of God, to believe for amazing things in your life, amen? That eliminate this area of comparison. Maybe the area that you might struggle with is performance. You know, you, we look across the room in church, and we may see a family that's like an incredible family, and everybody like really gets along. they don't fake it, you know and they have this great family, and maybe your family's struggling, or maybe their children's serving the Lord and your children's not serving God or they're a great mom, and you struggle with being a good mom and really understanding your role and we start comparing with other people's performances and we don't feel like we measure up. The fourth area this morning I just want to unveil before we get into our teaching is maybe it's the circumstances. maybe you're in this room and you're single today and you just wish you were married, you wish God would send the right helpmate, a wonderful woman of God or man of God into your life, and you see everybody go down the altar, everybody's getting, you know they ain't even as cute as you are, and they get like a hot guy. (laughs) I know this is church, but you know it's true, right? And you're like, how did that happen? You know, and so all of a sudden you begin comparing yourself, Well, what's wrong with me, and what do I need to change, and what do I need to do different? Do I need to put myself out there? Do I just need to hold back and trust Jesus? What do I do? And we start Comparing that something's wrong because you're single, when in fact everything is complete because you're single. Amen. You've got Jesus in your life, and I'll share a little bit more of that down the road. Or maybe you uh, want to be pregnant. It seems everybody's getting pregnant, you know. And Sister Susie is like she can just think about getting pregnant, and boom, she's having a baby, you know. And you wonder, and it's real. Women want to give birth and they want to have children, and you just wonder what's happening in my life, and or maybe you wake up and you think this isn't where I thought I would be in my life. You're at this certain place in your life, a certain age, and you just didn't see your life being where it's at today, looking the way that it is, and we begin to see other people make a lot of these things, you know. Things that inspire us to be better. Realize all of those things are wonderful, but they should be things that inspire us to be better, but not compare us to beat us down. And that's the difference. We can look in someone's life and say, man, I really want the marriage they've got or what I can see anyway. What can I do in my marriage to make my marriage more amazing? Do I need to put Christ in the center of it again? Do I need to make sure my family is attending church so that we can get the word of God and serve? Because we know Jesus has to be in the center of everything, right? So what do you need to do right now to, hey, that inspires me to be better instead of comparing that you're not good enough and feel worthless? And then what do we do? We make wrong decisions or we throw in the towel and we just quit trying, and we end up in 2021 the same way that we entered 2020. Amen? God wants us to quit that area of comparison. So I want to share with you this morning is why does God hate when we compare? Why is that so important? We find it in the Word of God, but why is that so important to God? And the first point that I have this morning is, number one, comparison is the death of contentment. When you begin to compare yourself in any area of your life, the peace and the joy of the moment goes out the door. And that word contentment means this, it means, um, it means happiness and satisfaction. See, God has called you to live a life that is happy and satisfied no matter what you have. I've told this story before, I had friends that were very, they pursued money and things and they got this mansion in Lasendas, you know, in Mesa and they literally had this incredible home and I remember walking through it going, oh my gosh, this home is like incredible. I would dream to be drinking coffee in front of this pool, you know, it was so awesome. But as I began to listen to their life, one was going this way and one was going that way and they never sat down and just enjoyed coffee in front of that pool because they were so busy trying to aspire and attain and find this place of happiness and satisfaction that they lost their marriage in the middle. They lost contentment in the middle of what they thought they'd find joy in. And I remember thinking to myself, I wonder when's the last time they actually sat on that couch overlooking this beautiful mountain that they worked so hard for and just enjoyed each other. And you know what ended up happening? That marriage was destroyed. They ended up getting divorced and losing everything. Why? Because when you are searching after things in comparison, you lose your contentment and joy in life. I've been without and I've had things. And I'm going to tell you, as long as I got Jesus, I got everything. As long as Jesus is the center of my peace and my joy, it doesn't matter what the world thinks, it doesn't matter what people think, it doesn't matter the standard of what life should look like to the world, I know what Jesus has in my life, amen? And I'm gonna find peace and joy in the middle of what I'm believing God for. So comparison is the death of contentment, and the opposite of contentment is what? It's misery. When you compare yourself to other people's lives, it makes you miserable, and makes you unhappy, Right? And it causes a sadness in your heart. So we have to eliminate that and say, God, that is something I want, and I'm going to believe you for it, but I'm going to choose joy right now. And I'm going to teach you how to do that in just a minute. But when you begin to compare yourself to others, all of a sudden you find yourself striving, and you get in the flesh, and you're striving, and you're working harder, and you're trying to prove yourself. You're trying to prove your point. You're trying to do it all in the works of the flesh, and you grow tired and you grow frustrated, and you get angry because you're trying to attain something in the flesh that you can only contain it by the peace of joy and trusting in God, amen? You'll always find yourself looking at someone else's life, looking at someone else's business or marriage or ministry, and feeling left behind, and feeling left behind. I know as a pastor of this church, God has done incredible things in this ministry, but I have a big vision for this ministry. I see thousands and I see another auditorium and I see us reaching the loss for Jesus and I see amazing things. But if I look to the world and I see things on social media, my pastor friends who have 5,000, 6,000 church members and I begin to compare myself, I lose the contentment with what I have right now. And this is great. This is amazing. And if the enemy can get us looking, feeling left behind, we'll miss the goodness that's right in front of us. If I'm only looking to fill this church with 12,000 people, I'll miss the young Marys, the married couple that the marriage was restored over here. I'll miss the joy of a person who came in here, drug addict, and was set free by Jesus Christ and redeemed, amen. I'll miss all the deliverance that's happening right in front of me because I've lost my contentment for right now. And then what happens when you lose your contentment from right now and you keep looking over the fence, what you have right now will die and fade away. If I kept looking into another field, and boy, my church ain't that, and our church isn't that, and we don't have that, this church would suffer and it would begin to die, and you would lose the joy of the season also. Do you see how dangerous comparing ourselves with others? Do do I want a church that will touch the world? Yes, but boy, I'm so happy with right now. I'm thankful for the 700 people that call Faith Builders Church home, amen, because there was about 300 two years ago that didn't. And I can thank Jesus for the more that does right now, amen. You can thank God for the husband you have right now. Maybe he's not where you want him to be. Maybe he's got his own struggles, but don't look to another person and say, well, you need to be that guy right there. Well, you don't know what that guy right there is behind closed doors at home, so you may not want to wish that or pray that on your husband, right? No, you want the husband God's called him to be. You want the wife that God's called her to be, amen, not somebody else, but be thankful for the goodness that's right there. And when you begin to thank God, God now can come in and work the way where there seems to be no way, amen. Comparison is the death of contentment, peace, and joy, and happiness in our life. 2 Corinthians ten twelve says this. Paul wrote this epistle, and he said this, or this letter to the church, we do not dare do this. Now, Stop right there. If you have children or nieces or nephews, and you say to them, don't do that. But then you say, um, don't you dare do that. It's like a whole different level of warning. Like, don't do that. Don't, and you get that mother look. Don't you dare do that. And I believe that's what Paul's doing. He says, don't, don't you dare do this. Don't compare yourself with others. Don't compare where they're at and where you're at. Because the end is only destruction. So he goes on to say, we do not dare do this, to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. Another ones, those who are already where we want to be. When they measure themselves by people cross to them, themselves, and compare themselves with themselves, what's the Bible say? They are not wise. And I know that's a lot of tongue ties in there, but it means I can't compare myself with Pastor Paul and Jenny themselves i can't compare with them and where they're at and they can't compare where i'm at we're on two different journeys and if i was to do that i am not wise because i'm about to be stripped of my joy of the season now can i can i desire some things that they have in their life heck yeah and they probably desire some things i have in my life who wouldn't want you know (laughs) all of this (laughs) are you jealous of my skirt pastor paul he was trying to wear the Faith Sisters T-shirt early, but earlier we told him he couldn't. I'm just kidding. He said he didn't want to. I'm just kidding. I think he should. It would look awesome. But anyway, we can't compare. We can be inspired, but not compare to the point where now, if I was so jealous of them and their, things that's going on in their life, now that puts a wedge between our relationship. Now all of a sudden I'm, I'm um, being bitter towards them, which we'll talk about in a minute, because jealousy has seeped in. And it's destroying a relationship that God called to provoke one another instead of to compete with one another, amen? So you're not wise when you compare yourself. What does it do? It steals your joy. It robs the meaning of right now, the joy of right now, amen? It destroys marriages because you're comparing. It destroys friendships. It destroys ministries because people start to compare in the ministry. Success is this. Success is being who God wants you to be, not who you wish you were, who does God want you to be in this season? Not that you can't dream for the next, but what about right now? Amen. And I want to read uh, Galatians 6, 4 to you. And it says this, "Each each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. So what does it mean? It says each one should test their own actions. He's saying, stop and check your heart. Where are you at? Are you in comparison and, and competition and jealousy? Or have you settled in the fact that the Lord has your desires in the palm of his hands? And if you've got comparison and jealousy, get it out of the way. And then you can say to yourself, I have pride that I'm not comparing myself to anyone. I don't have to measure to the world. I don't have to measure to anybody's standard. I just have to measure to what God says is happening in my life right now. Amen? People fill in the blank and they say, if I could just have this, I would be happy. If I could just have a good wife, then I would be happy. If I just had success, then I would feel like I've arrived. If I could just have whatever it is you feel like you're missing, you'll feel like you have aspired to something. But I promise you, when you're striving in the flesh and you're fighting after it, you are chasing something that really isn't there. You're chasing a false illusion that that's going to make you happy when Jesus is the only one who is the lover of your soul. Jesus is the only one at the end of the day that can make you happy, and you're striving and toiling for approval that really is never going to exist. And I have this example. I pulled some uh, Mirage pictures and Living in Arizona, you all have seen plenty of this, but that that illusion of water, that illusion of refreshing or what is promised or what you're chasing is like it's so real and it's ahead of you and you're striving after it, but you never can quite get there. You may marry somebody fine and has it all together, but you're never going to find happiness. Whatever it is you think on the other side of that thing that's going to make you happy if you just had it is not going to be there. It's going to end up empty and void because you did it with the acts of the flesh instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to direct you in your life. Amen? All you got to do is look at Hollywood. It's full of people who have everything, and they're miserable, and they're unhappy, Right, Justin Bieber, who got it all when he was like 12 years old, now had to go through psychological and he's still healing and he's still getting men of God around him. And he found a little bitty house in LA when he could have it all because he realized having it all does not bring true happiness. Having Jesus, amen, having Jesus in the center of it makes us happy. And not allowing your life to try to measure up to anybody else's expectations. Listen, people will even put their expectations on you and what your life should look like right now. I know for me, my journey, my life, God has called me to singleness for a season. Lots of them, actually. And uh, (laughs) now that I'm thinking about it, and it hasn't always been a season I wanted. You know, I, I wanted a helpmate, and I believe God's still bringing him, but I wanted this. And people would try to put me in a box, Well, why aren't you married yet? And why have you done it? And what's wrong with you? And why wouldn't you have that? And if I would have bowed my knee to the world saying, you need to have this to be happy, Barb, I would never do what God called me to do in my season. I would never have reached the loss. I'd have never traveled the world. I'd have never challenged teenagers. Why? Because I have the time to do it. When you're single, you got time to do a lot for Jesus. You can't bow your knee to comparison to what the world says you have to have. And if I'd have bowed my knee, I'd have missed this wonderful season to try to make everybody happy, to think I need this white picket fence with a guy and babies, and that's awesome. And a lot of people are called to that unit, and it's awesome. It wasn't God's design for me. It wasn't written in my book. So I'm telling you today, whatever season you're in, it's part of the journey you're in. Just embrace it. You don't have to prove to anybody that I need this to be happy. No, I got Jesus. I'm changing somebody's life, amen? I'm using my experience, my brokenness, my failure to reach somebody else because they're going through it, and I'm going to teach them how to get out of it, amen? It's never in vain. You could use it for the glory of God. Don't let anybody put you in a box and say, this is what life has to look like. Because listen, when something's the will of God, there's nothing you could do to stop it. When it's time for your help, mate, God knows how to knock on your door, amen? When it's time to touch the heart of your husband that you're praying for, God knows how to reach him. When your babies are out there away from God and struggling, God knows how to find them, amen? God knows how to send a believer to them. God knows how to get them to find the back door of a church and give their life to Jesus Christ. God knows the answer. Quit comparing yourself and just trust Jesus. It's time to let go, amen? Because being comparison, what, steals my joy in my life. The second area that happens when we compare ourselves is comparison makes us prideful. Comparison makes us, you can go ahead, that screen, sweetie. She's like, I told her, there's, there's another screen of the mirage. And what's actually there, it looks like a floating boat and trees is actually a, a ship and trees, but it looks like it's floating. That's what happens, that mirage. And, but you can go ahead and go to the next point, honey. Comparison makes us prideful. And Romans twelve six says this. It's the message version. It says this, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with others or trying to be something we aren't. So what happens when we get into comparison, we don't want to feel this way. And I don't want anybody to see me the way that I feel and what I'm missing from my life. So what do we do? We begin to self-preserve ourselves. I'm going to put up a wall of protection that life is good and I'm good, and I'm going to start being prideful about everybody else's blessing. And I may do this. Maybe they have a good marriage. Well, I would have never married that girl. Right? I'm criticizing what somebody else is doing because I'm not happy that I don't have it. So I'm criticizing the way I would never raise my kids like that. Well, you probably haven't had one yet. You'll do anything to your crazy kids, right? Once they start acting out, you do crazy stuff with your kids. You have to repent of it later, right? Because kids will get on your last nerve. So we criticize, we can critique how a church, well, I would never do that in that church. I would never have that program. We don't know because you're not running it. It's so easy to stand back prideful and critical of what somebody else has engaged in by faith to make happen when, in fact, we're standing back not doing anything at all. Right? So we have to be careful that when you get into contentment, it not only steals your joy, now you're separating relationships, friendships, probably godly connections you're called to have in the future, but because of our comparison and jealousy has seeped in, now we've got prideful, and I'm not going to show you the real me. Right? You have to be very careful of that. We need to learn, and we'll get to this in a minute, but celebrate other people's wins, amen? Celebrate other people knowing that yours is just around the corner. The greatest sign of humility is when you can celebrate someone that receives something that you desire and that's hard sometimes cuz the flesh is just hurt and why cuz jealousy i heard a pastor say this once jealousy is feeling that you not that you don't want to be happy for them but you don't think it's ever going to happen for you and that's why we get jealous but even if it never happens for me god i'm going to celebrate my friends i'd be a fool not to celebrate my friends that have 5000 people Why? Because I want to watch what they're doing. I want to be in their world. I want to be around them. I want to ask questions. I'm not going to compare myself. I want to learn, how did you do it? I want to celebrate your wins. And in Jesus' name, we're going to have that win too. Amen? So that's what you do with your life. Get around things that can challenge and grow you, but don't allow pride to set in your heart now, and then you've shut yourself down from relationships. Amen? And really from God coming into your heart. So then what happens is you begin to get critical, of everything else that you feel left behind him. Luke 18, verses 11 through 12 gives us a perfect example. It was the Pharisee. He was like a pastor and he was praying out loud and he was just walking along the street so I could just see him in, in uh, Israel going, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. The robbers, the evildoers, the adulterers, or even this tax collector, I fast twice a week and I give a 10th of all I have. You see all the arrogance there. I do this, and in other words, they're not doing that. God, but I'm doing this, and we allow pride to come into our hearts. Amen. Time to celebrate other people's wins. I heard this quote from uh, C.S. Lewis, and I researched it and and wrote it down for this teaching. But it says, C.S. Lewis says we say that people are proud. They're proud because of being rich or clever or good looking, but they are not. They are proud of being richer or clever, or better-looking than others. That's when pride comes in. If if everyone else became equally rich, or clever, or good-looking, there would be nothing to be proud about. Isn't that great? So if you know, yeah, I want to be in better shape, that's awesome. I want to be in good shape, but if I want to be better than her or him to prove a point, now I've entered into pride. Amen? You have to be willing to be humble. The second one is this morning, comparison makes me resentful. And this is where comparison leads to. It steals your joy, right, makes me prideful, and now I've entered into resentment. And that's a very dangerous place to be. And that will steal you from friendships. It'll cause you to lose your job. It'll cause you to lose, probably walk out of many churches because you're resentful, because pride now has entered in so strong, right? And so if you study out the story that I'm about to read to you, David was a young boy and he, uh, the king at the time was Saul. King Saul was appointed by the people. The people chose him, not God. But God gave him their say. And so Saul became king. He was good looking, head and shoulders taller than everybody else, the word says. And then there's this little runt, David, that's been called by God. And David, if you see his journey with Saul, he honored Saul over and over again he uh, protected Saul. He could have killed him when he wanted to, and he didn't because he respected his position. And then he went out on the battlefield, and Saul was out there trying to destroy Goliath. You all remember the story? King Saul was out there and was terrified to go out and fight Goliath. So you know what David said? David said, man, let me go fight him for you, king. Don't worry about it. I got you. He showed loyalty, and he showed support to his king over and over and over again. And this is where we come out to this story in 1 Samuel 18. And I want you to understand something. Saul loved David. He loved him. Whenever Saul had a heart that was bitter, I call it a Saulish heart. He was struggling, and he was bitter and anxious. He called on David to play the harp in his presence to calm his heart. He loved David and gave him favor. But what happened? Resentment came in his heart. And it says in 1 Samuel, when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine. The women came out from all of the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with tambourines and the lutes, and they danced and sang. Now, imagine Saul watching from his window as David's being celebrated, and they sang this, Saul has slain his thousands, and Saul's probably like, yeah, that's right, you know? The women got me, but then it went on to say, and David his tens of thousands. They lauded David more than the king. Saul was very angry. This refrain galled him. They had credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands? What more can he get but the kingdom? He's coming after my throne. And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Instead of celebrating the young man that was by his side, celebrating the man that could have killed him and didn't, David saw through his comparison the women love him, seems like, more than he loves me. I mean, David was king. What more higher could he get? David, or excuse me, Saul was king. He was favored. He had everything well. And yet his comparison to David's moment of victory made him resentful. And he sought to kill David till the end because of his jealousy. See how resentment can get in our hearts if we don't celebrate other people's wins. Amen. We've got to learn to rejoice with other people. When we compare, we resent God's goodness in others' lives. When we compare, we resent God's goodness in other lives and ignore God's blessings in our own life. When you start getting bitter about other people, you can't see what God is doing in the midst of your life, amen? So this needs to be the year that you sit down, maybe you're not happy with where things are, and that's okay because that's a starting point. Write down what you would like changed begin to write it down and say, God, this is the area that I really want to focus on this year. I'm not going to compare. I'm not going to be jealous. I'm going to celebrate other people's lives, and I'm going to see the goodness and say, God, what in my life can I celebrate? Every one of us has something in our world we can celebrate, something good, amen? Find something good about your children, something good about your boss, something good about your church, amen? Something good about whatever you're discontent in and begin to rejoice and be thankful for the good things that you can see. And you watch the Lord begin to change the focus of what you're looking at and all of a sudden you'll begin to see what God has for you next. And you won't carry that weight of dissatisfaction and being unhappy, amen? So what do we do when we're unhappy? What do we do when we find ourselves in this area of comparison. The first thing, there's plenty to do, but I wrote down two today very quickly. One, you have to love what you have. Learn to love what you have in your life, amen? Embrace whatever it is. Paul, in this story that I'm about to read to you, Paul was in house arrest. He was imprisoned and he couldn't go anywhere. No change could occur in his life. And this is where he pens this story into the Philippians church, this letter, Philippians 4. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, right? I'm not in need. I'm saying this for I have learned to be content in whatever I have. It takes time to learn what you love. It takes time to remember to go back to the things that you can be content with. It may not change overnight, but you can begin to thank God that you can be content. What does that mean? I'm happy. I'm satisfied. If I never get married, I'm happy, God. If I'm never able to get birth to my own child, I'm happy, God. If I stay in this apartment, I'm happy. I'm going to find contentment in this season that I'm in, amen? He said, whatever the circumstances I've ever been in, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether I'm well-fed or whether I'm hungry, whether I'm living in plenty Or I'm in want. I can do all things through Christ Jesus. You can be content in your life, amen. You can be happy in the season that you're in, knowing it's not forever. I'm not staying here, God. I'm believing for the good things, but in the meantime, I'm not gonna lose my joy. I'm not gonna lose my peace, amen. I'm gonna love my friends. I'm gonna love my church. I'm gonna love the couples that are around me. I'm gonna choose to embrace what I have in my life and love it, amen. I was reading this book this week, uh, just started it called half, half Time, and it's talking about the time of your life where it's the half, the midpoint of your life, and learning what's the next season of your life. And, um, and the book starts off with talking about going from success to satisfaction, because our whole first of our life, we're just driving to success, aren't we? I've got this goal. I need to get married. I need to have kids. I need to have the white picket fence. I got to have this savings account. And those are all great goals. But at the end of the day, some people don't realize it till they're in their 50s that what I'm really looking for is satisfaction. I'm really looking just to be happy. So don't wait until you're in your 50s and get older. Learn to be satisfied right now, amen? Learn to be content right now with all things, knowing I'm going towards the goal of what God has for my life. We have to stop the comparison. You don't need bigger, better, anything. Amen? You don't need it. Does God want it for you? Sure, And can you desire it? Yes, but we don't need it to be happy. I can be content in all things just like Paul talked about. Success is not about being inferior or superior to someone else. It's about being who God says that you are and not something that you're not. Amen? And if you could take the blinders off that you're only going to feel loved or important if you had this thing because it's such a deception. And learn to go that you're complete because you have Jesus. The second thing, as we'll close this morning, first, you've got to love what you have. Number two, you have to know who you are. Know who you are in Christ Jesus. Know that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Know that you have a power of God that gives you all wisdom. You have the Holy Spirit that gives you ears to hear what he has to say. I am telling you, God has maneuvered my life, not through college, but through the voice of the Holy Spirit. He has maneuvered me around time bombs, around mistakes, around failures. Why? Because I'm leaning on the Holy Spirit and not my own understanding. You don't have to get onto your next situation except for to hear the Holy Spirit, amen? The God that lives on the inside of you. Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are his workmanship. Do you know God made you? He molded you. He gave you every ability that you need, every wisdom, every direction to get to the next season of your life. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. Good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. What is God calling us to do? In the season of your life where you've been comparing, embrace this season, say, God, I'm going to learn from it, and I'm going to be a blessing to those who may find themselves in that same situation. I'm going to be a blessing. I'm going to be a word of encouragement. I'm going to be a word of hope, and I'm going to give back, amen? God has gifted you with everything you need to be who God's called you to be. And let me close with this statement as the team is coming forward. These last four weeks we talked about I quit making excuses, right? I quit complaining. I quit living in fear. And we're gonna quit comparing. I think it's the biggest monster of all, the most damaging one of all. Amen. And this quote says this: when you know who you are, you don't have to you Wait, when you know who you are, you know what you don't have to be. When you know who you are, you know I don't have to be this to be happy. When you know who you are in Christ Jesus, when you know that God's making a way in your life, amen, I don't have to be this to be happy. I can be complete and satisfied, amen? Go ahead and stand to your feet this morning. And I want to pray this morning over the areas of comparison and also any areas that jealousy and resentment has entered in. And we're going to ask the Lord to take that off of our hearts. Amen. And maybe you're here this morning and that resentment has separated you from people. We're going to pray the Lord brings that back together in your life. Amen. Before I pray, before anyone leaves, we have some visitors here today, and I want to make sure the whole reason why we come together as a church is that everyone has an opportunity to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Amen. That maybe you walked in this door today and you're away from God and you're only here for whatever reason that you walked in these doors today. God knows. And he wants to capture your heart. He wants you to fall in love with him. Maybe there's some that are just coming back to Jesus and you just need to make things right and the Holy Spirit's just on you convicting your, your heart today. This is the opportunity for you to surrender back to Jesus. All the "I quits" don't matter if you don't say yes to Jesus. Amen. None of it matters without having Jesus the center of your life. So I'm going to ask everyone to repeat this prayer after me. Jesus says, "If you confess with my mouth, your mouth, believe in your heart, you will be saved." And it's a, a confession of faith and admittance that you need a Savior. We've all been here at one point or another, and we're all going to say this together. So that those of you who want to say it for the first time will have courage we're going to receive jesus together this morning just repeat after me say dear heavenly father i'm asking you to forgive me of all of my sin i need to make you my lord and my savior i surrender all and father god any areas of comparison or jealousy or resentment i'm gonna let it go and i receive your grace your peace and your joy to restore my heart today in jesus name Amen. Just lift your hands up all over the place. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for everyone that's here in this room. And Father, where comparison has been a bondage and holding them captive, we thank you today that you are setting them free by the Holy Spirit. They are free to be who they are, God. They are free to live their life with no shame, no wondering what people think, Father God, that Lord, they are a, a released from uh, the pleasing of people today, and they are free, Father God, to be who they are in this season. And we celebrate this seasons of our lives, of our church, Father God, of every family in this house in the name of Jesus. Father, we cover them with the blood of the Lamb. Let them feel your presence as they leave here today and the voice of you, Holy Spirit. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said Amen. amen and amen. Give the Lord a praise this morning. Listen, really quick, if you said that prayer this morning, there's a card in the chair in front of you that says, I choose If you chose Jesus today, please fill that card out. Make your way forward to our prayer partners here. They want to give you a Bible and some information of what it means to walk with Jesus. Saying a prayer is not enough. Learning how to walk with Jesus is the key. Amen. And then ladies, we have a few extra Face Sister t-shirts out there. They're going to go quick. So go buy them up. We have all sizes available. I love you all. Have a blessed day. And we'll see you next Sunday.